provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors, you can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 24. I'm so thankful that you are listening. Today I'm going to be talking about year two in ministry, and one of the big lessons that I learned that year was that I had to get mentors. And you need mentors too. So let's pray, and then let me talk to you about um, really two major ways that I was just simply clueless and needed help. Let's pray. Father, I need your help and I need your wisdom. Help me as I speak to these men to be clear, concise, and I just want this to be as helpful as possible. And I also want it uh, to inspire these men that are listening, young and old, to get mentors, to never be in a place in life where we feel like we've arrived and that we only teach. Help us to be men who are teachable. Jesus, I trust that you're going to help. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As you know, I'm I'm doing this series, a 10-part series, on the importance of a decade. And I'm going through year-by-year lessons that I've learned over this last decade. And this week, I'm talking talking to you about year two. And the title of this week is Get Mentors. Get Mentors. When I first started in ministry in this year two, there were two things that kind of rose to the surface that I needed help with. I was clueless about ministry, and I was clueless about life. In that second year, it really just dawned on me, I have no idea what I'm doing. Who in the world is a pastor, and what in the world does a pastor do? I simply didn't know. I remember sitting in my office and just kind of looking around. It was at this teen town building, and I remember thinking, what the heck am I supposed to be doing? I knew I was supposed to preach every week, so I was studying, I was reading, and just always been a reader. Well, it's it, not always, but um, from like the age of 23 on, just really started with independent studies and, and, and have always kind of dug in in that way to further my education. So I would read and study and prepare to preach, but I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. And then organizationally, we were just a mess. I, I really just needed help. So I was clueless. Well, two pastors ended up befriending me, and these two pastors were just phenomenal. I'm, I'm so appreciative of these two men, and to this day, I'm, I'm just grateful for them. And these guys would would begin to meet with me. They would meet with me about once a month. And these two pastors happened to be the pastors that were in the largest churches in the area. They had a lot of other things to do, but they saw me and that I needed help, and they were willing to approach me and invest in me. And I felt clueless and helpless, and these guys came alongside and said, Hey, I'll, I'll meet with you. You want to? Let's go to McDonald's and let's sit down and let's hang out or come over to my office and you can hang out with me and hang out with our staff and ask questions and learn and grow. And I desperately, desperately needed it, and God provided it. And so not only was I clueless in ministry and getting help by these mentors, but I was also clueless in life. And so I would ask these guys questions about life as well. I had met my wife in 2009, and that was the, that was during year two of, of ministry. And I was a single pastor at the time for the first year and a half. And then I started dating. And it was simply weird. I didn't know how to be a pastor and to date. And I was, you know, it was just it was just awkward. It just I don't know how, any other way to explain it. It was just awkward. But I, I really liked this woman. And um, she was amazing. It, uh, you know, I, these things about her were just... Uh, phenomenal, but I, I didn't know how to do life. And as I started dating her, I knew it wasn't just dating that I didn't know about. It was just life. I didn't know how to take care of myself. I didn't know how to take care of my house, like how to change air filters and those sorts of things. I didn't know um, 
how to deal with money. I, I, I just needed help with life. I just didn't know how to take care of just basic things. And I, I mean, I could be clean and show up somewhere dressed and put together externally, but I just didn't know how to live. So these big two areas, I simply needed mentoring and discipling in. And that's the big idea from that year. I need help. And fortunately, God provided the help that I needed. And to this day, when you ask me, okay, who is it, Jared, that's mentoring you? I can give you names. Greg, Greg Donaldson, uh, Kirk Caldwell, Jeff Allstott, Matt Crane. These men have taken interest in me, and these men I have sought out. For some of them, these two pastors that sought me out, they, they did something very unique. They had the wherewithal to seek young guys out. But often, and I've, I've found that this is the case over the years, I've had to seek out these mentors. But to this day, I have made it a priority to have men in my life who will speak into my life. And, and so I want to challenge you to find a mentor. You're going to have to seek these mentors out. Sometimes you'll you'll receive the great benefit of, of guys reaching out to you. and But more times than not, you're going to have to find these mentors. And when you do, what you're going to be doing is setting the example in two areas of your life. You're going to be setting the example to your family, if you have a family, and you're going to be setting example to the congregation that you serve. For the rest of your life, you need to be the kind of man who is seeking out people to learn from. And... As the congregation looks to you, one of the things they need to see is that you make it a priority to be discipled and to grow. And as your family looks to you, one of the things that they need to see in you is that you are committed to learning and to growing, that you have not arrived. Let us not be the kind of men, goodness gracious, we've all been hurt by men like this, who think that they've arrived and all they have to do is teach. Okay, practically, how is this working in my life right now? And then I want to th- want you to think through ways that this is going to work itself out in your life. I was reading a book just a couple weeks ago on manhood. And I started to think, and there I was challenged again by this idea of surrounding yourself by men that you want to be like. And so I started thinking, who do I want to be like? Who's in our church that I want to spend more time with? And there's a man in our church who's in his 50s, and all of his children respect him. He and his wife have this amazing marriage. And for me, this may not be that important to you, but it is to me. When you go to his house, things are taken care of. So they've got a barn and they've got multiple hundreds of acres to take care of. And this barn is immaculate. His house looks beautiful. His cars and tractors, all of it is taken care of. He's not a farmer. I mean, he has a full-time job. And on the side, he does all this stuff of just taking care of what God has entrusted to him. And I said this a couple weeks ago. Maybe I didn't say it on the podcast. Maybe I wrote about this. But one of the things I said is lazy asceticism is always easier than godly stewardship. Wise and noble stewardship is so much harder than just asceticism. Because I'm just going to call it asceticism for God's glory, and I'm not going to do this. Find mentors who have stuff, who have been entrusted with stuff, property, a family, and who manage that stuff well, who manage their family well, and who manage their property well, who manage their cars well, who know how to keep their car clean. For me, that's the kind of stuff that's important. That's the kind of man that I want to be. And as I look to this man, I think, man, I want to be like James. And so the next week, I showed up on a Sunday morning. I found James, and I said, James, can we get together? I was reading this book, and your face popped into my mind because it asked me to think about men that I want to be like and then start being around them. And so, James, can we go out to eat? Can we just start to get together? Because I want to be like you, and I want to grow into a man that's like you. He's in his 50s. And he said, absolutely, let's do it. Let's get together. 
And so mentoring, finding a mentor, this lesson that I learned in year two of ministry has continued to be with me through this decade, and I want it to be with me through the rest of my life. Nobody wants to be the kind of man, or nobody wants to get mentored by the kind of man who just has all the answers and doesn't want to do any learning. We look to older men, and we want to learn from older men who are still being teachable, who are still growing themselves. We don't want to be around, uh, because I'm a younger man, I don't want to be around a know-it-all. I want to learn from men who are still teachable. That's the kind of man I want to be when I'm in my 50s and my 60s and 70s. I want to be a teachable man, still moldable. I want to be the guy that's just set in his own ways, the crotchety old guy who just drinks coffee all day and just wants you to come and learn everything you can from him. I want to be the kind of guy, the older I get, that's still learning and that still has the humility to come to a younger man and say, hey, I've got some things to learn from you. So I've got these men that God has put in my life. Names, Ron, Greg, Kurt, Jeff, Matt. Shondor, Michael, my father-in-law, Dennis, and my uncle Darren. These are names of men that God has used. Who are the names of the men that God has used in your life? Maybe they've sought you out, or maybe now you're in a position where you have to seek them out. You may have to look hard because there's very few secure older men. There's very few godly older men who are willing to meet with younger men. There's a lot of older men that are willing to complain about younger men, that are willing to ask younger men to come and learn from them, but there are very few mature, humble, godly older men. And unfortunately, that's just the case with boomers. I'm sorry, boomers, but that's there's just very few of you like that. I want there to be more. I want there to be more. But there are some of you, and I'm challenging young men to go and find them and get mentors. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.